I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, Halima. Hi, Halima. Hi, Ioni. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni, I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester. And I'm Halima, the community editor of Polyester Zine and the co-host of the Polyester Podcast. This is The Sleepover Club, a feminist pop culture podcast. We pull apart the hashtag discourse in the hope of making some sense of it all. Before we get started, please like, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out so, so much. Thank you. Yes, please. And we will read out your reviews if you leave one. Thank you so much. Okay, Halima. Yes. What are we talking about today? I guess we're talking about how, like, what the hell is going on in people's humour nowadays. Nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> that nowadays. was a terrible introduction, nowadays. But yeah, like, what the hell is going on with our sense of humour, Gen Z's sense of humour, like, humour in general? Is this the demise of comedy? I don't know. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> and how our, like, relationship to social media, I suppose, affects how we consume funny content mm. i feel like people will be listening to some think that this is really like oh they're gonna talk about the will smith and chris rock thing no no we're done with that we're done with that now <laughs> i think the reason i start well i don't know how how do we start thinking about this halima i guess it's like i just our comment section on instagram mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that everybody takes like any little bit of of, of information on the internet really personally like you have a whole podcast to listen to and you're mad about one little clip that like isn't even the full point like or even like a particular podcast last week was I think really funny and I feel like people <laughs> yeah. it was actually really funny, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and people were really really quite mad about um the podcast topic so I guess you want to like discuss or like look at the way our comedy has evolved or, or what we find funny has changed or do you know what I mean I think also it's interesting which is a point that I was talking to my friend Flora about this yesterday shout out Flora if you're listening like kind of both who we accept hate and humor from Mm. so I feel like a lot of the time with like alt-right things for example I watched the Louis well you were with me actually when we watched the Louis Theroux about the like rise of the young far-right documentary and the main guy, I can't remember his name, sorry, we watched it like three months ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, the main guy's whole point was like, oh, I'm playing with humour. And I feel like we quite a lot like let, not let it pass, but as in we accept humour and satirical humour as part of like the far right's canon of things they can use to get their point across. And it's the same with hatred. Like even if we 
don't agree with their hatreds or whatever, we accept it as part of their political ideologies, whereas we don't accept that from left-wing people, which is kind of what you touched on last week about like acceptability politics and always expecting marginalised people to be the bigger person. But I think it, it was just interesting for me to talk to Flora and put it in that context, like, oh, we literally just accept that as a part of life for like a huge group of people, but then not for the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. I guess there's no one to that as well. No, like Ioni's not saying before anybody gets mad that, um, like that we're okay with the, like right wing people using no. humor to get their point across. That's not what Ioni's saying. <laughs> be, um, clear. I'm saying we just accept it as part of that arsenal, or we like exactly. even let behavior slip under the guise of humor. Like that far right guy that's on the Louis Theroux documentary, they always use it like, oh, don't take us seriously though, because we're just being funny. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's something that we expect from them, but we don't really expect leftists to use humour. Yeah, and we also don't, like, analyse it in the same way, I suppose, or consume it in the same way, like, I don't know, it's it's a weird one. But yeah, I'm not saying it's, like, a good thing they use humour or hatred, but I'm just saying, like, there's a set of behaviour we accept in one people and resent in another group of people, and it's interesting Mm -hmm. to consider why that is. Yeah. Um, but I think like the I just I did say we're not going to talk about it, but I think the the Chris Rock Will Smith thing has actually been a good example of that. Been a great example of that, but also like I mean a horrible example of I that. Mean, it's a but you know example. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reason why everybody's talking about it nowadays. Like I was on my TikTok. I was on TikTok today, and the first thing that came up was uh, Ricky Gervais talking. Oh about Oh my it. god! I was literally just about to talk about this. Exactly oh the my same god. thing. Did you get it too? Yeah, that's so disgusting. Go on, talk about it. <laughs> so it was just Ricky Gervais. Obviously, he's co-hosted the Oscars before, I think, or is it the? I don't know. He's co-hosted something, and we were actually talking about in this in the group chat as well about like why these kind of big public events have become like a roast and we blame Ricky Gervais. Like, why can't people just host? <laughs> like, why mm. do they have to be like a comedy roast? Anyway, mm-hmm. so he was doing this TikTok and it was like, oh, I've heard, this is my Ricky Gervais impression, I don't know <laughs> if it's accurate. <laughs> I've heard that like, it um will hit Chris Rock because he was mocking Jada's disability well i'm going a bit bald so i'm disabled i'm fat so i'm disabled <laughs> whatever i hate him so much like every time he does like a um like a interview or an article or whenever a stupid show after life is coming out whatever and he always does like the comedy is dead i can't make any jokes anymore so like, i'm sorry me you literally made a tv show where the american version was 200 times better of it and yours was not that good. Like, fuck off. But no, fuck Ricky Gervais. And also fuck James Corden and fuck all those comedians who were going on about how now comedians aren't safe anymore because, like, Will Smith has sent a president that they can just hit them now and all this shit. Yeah, I think it's uh, lazy. But then also I feel like we've got another side of that. I feel like people or uh, conflate this is another thing like they conflate the kind of like hater that we were talking about with those men which obviously is not the same and I think it goes to like this thing we're saying about punching down or punching up and like I don't feel like Ricky Gervais or James Corden or anyone punches up like you don't see them criticizing the government or even people with more power than them because then they'd lose their jobs as talk show hosts or award ceremony hosts or people that make tv but we had a comment that was like basically oh 
for me, this just reminds me of like early noughties, a British comedy humour, and I hate it. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, because I've always hated that. Like, for even like Little Britain, I mean, like, obviously everyone knows Little Britain is like bad now. But when I was in like year seven and everyone thought it was like the best thing since like sliced bread because everyone was 11 years old. I still hated it. Like I hated mm. it so much. I hate like, I don't like comedy that much. I'm just going to put it out there. Like I hate like entertainment comedy a lot. I was trying to think of ones I actually like. Um, <laughs> and I fell short a bit. Like I like um, Broad City, I suppose, before it got shit. I like, the office american one but i don't really see it as like uh, that comedy like i just like it as a tv show yeah i didn't think what's it called broad city was for that funny to me but just to go back <laughs> to what you said i like broad city though but i didn't think it was that funny um about punching up and punching down when i was reading this garen article they, they mentioned the punching up and punching down like semantics of it all and the person wrote we all exist within the context of systems of power and oppression and pretending this is irrelevant in comedy or most any situation is not reasonable. Punching up is a way to critique harmful systems without harming those hurting most. Punching down only reinforces existing inequalities. Exactly. I think that kind of speaks to our point on the like bullying versus being a fun hater. But I think it's interesting to like, because I think we can all easily dismiss the old white straight male comics as being out of touch and like, dismiss their thoughts on council culture as being ridiculous which they are like i absolutely go fuck them let's just put them in a box and never let them out the house again um but i was trying to think of like what comedy is now or what like humor is now online or just like how we interact with each other online in such bad faith all the time what are your thoughts halima i think that like people when it comes to like humor online I don't know. I feel like people just want to have the funniest um, uh, takedown response. So like when something is funny, because you know, something is funny online and then a few months later, like, this was never funny in the first place. Like they want to be the first one to acknowledge that that was never funny in the first place. <laughs> Give me an example. I'm trying to think. It's always like, it's always like when a meme was really funny. Oh, actually, one of the examples I can think of is Vine. So yeah. like somebody was talking about, like a few, few months back, we were talking about how much they miss Vine. People are always doing those like um, Vine threads about yeah. like oh this is the funniest vine i saw a, t- uh, a tweet like a few days ago of like a vine compilation and somebody going can we admit now that vine was never funny no that's not fucking true babe Fake. that's Fake. not true vine was funny <laughs> like, do you know what i mean vine yeah. was funny i suppose oh it kind of goes back to like i'm sorry now's the time for the book plug i talk about this in poor little sick girls in the book at the end like right at the end in my um what's it called epilogue lol haha <laughs> i wrote a whole book how i can't even think of the word <laughs> basically how online we're all scared of being wrong so that leaves like little space for in like a in the book i'm talking about how it kind of leaves space no space for growth or learning but it also leaves no space for like fun and i think it says a lot about the state of the internet now in that, like the funniest thing on my tiktok for you page at that moment have you seen it, Elima? It's like that little toddler, and he's like walking down the street. He's got his backpack on. It's like, um, uh oh, here we go again. Oh my god, I love that video. I love that video. Like we've literally just potatoed our brains. Like all I find funny on the internet is just these stupid memes. Like 
the other one the other ones I don't know if you'll get these or if they're like too niche for my for you page where it's like cat compilations or dog of them doing stupid thing and it's like that's Um, too niche for me but literally like I feel like a potato head when I watch these like I feel like I am absorbing the Gen Z humor like I Mm -hmm. find the stupidest like what I find funny becomes more and more like weird mm-hmm. and just like unexplainable as is clearly we've just tried to explain it on this podcast but then something that I find really interesting is that like obviously there's a lot of humor on TikTok that we also then screenshot to put on our Instagram when we make these podcasts and then that like one step removal I don't know if it's a platform thing like maybe Instagram people aren't on TikTok or vice versa they take it at face value uh-huh. absolutely and there's people no humor that. left in yeah. it uh-huh. people are doing that on our uh, page this and week. we're suddenly being critiqued for like being like women haters misandry <laughs> no that's misandrous is for men I don't even know the word it's so out of my wheelhouse <laughs> oh my god yeah I mean this is I was into a podcast before we started um Hayley Newman's baby baby everybody should listen to it because it's fantastic and the podcast is talking about how about babying and how we are in an, an, an environment or in an era of where we baby each other and I think there's nuance to that because I think a lot of right-wing people can use that as an argument to be offensive to marginalized groups mm-hmm. which is not what we're talking about but like we have a very the perfect example is when Gina put in the co- in the text of our podcast the word cow like being a nasty cow and this was clearly somebody who was not a British person and um, being like that's fatphobic to, to use the word cow or something like that mm-hmm. um uh and Gina was like, I'm literally a fat person. I'm, yeah. like, I'm confused as to why I can't say the word cow. <laughs> but the podcast the podcast is talking about the way that the internet wants to be babied or or like I don't I think mean, we want to be babied. I think everyone else wants to baby each other. This goes back to like what I was saying about how we're all scared to be wrong. I think there's a group of people on the internet that are so scared to be wrong that they don't say anything at all. Because the reaction to that is so often, like, very extreme from people that are convinced they're always right. Uh Or convinced there's a teaching teaching moment in everything. Uh So, for example, that cow thing. Or, like, they speak with... We see every individual on the internet, including ourselves, as an authority figure. When really we're all just people. So Uh we're all holding each other to, like, impossible standards. And taking everything on, like the value that we 100% back every single thing we post and post it without humour or nuance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always argued that the internet is not the best place to try and actually do anything of substance. No, 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 no. Because everything, everybody just takes everything to hurt. But like, I think that, I, I feel like even this podcast maybe, or polyester in general, like is moving beyond um, this kind of babying way of, approaching politics if that makes mm. sense like I, we're getting older and our audience is getting older and I think acknowledging our audience's adulthood is uh, is what we're doing or like the way people should try and approach social media more nowadays if that makes sense like I think the example that the podcast has talked about was like using the use of trigger warnings which of course are important and people use the word content warnings now as well but like I think that is in a similar wheelhouse of like of babying like I remember there's one time I was on social media and I um 
this is when I was younger and I kind of didn't know how to navigate trigger warnings. People were using it a lot on Twitter mm. and somebody was talking about food and they went trigger warning food. And I was like, why are you trigger warning food? <laughs> and I was thinking, should I start trigger warning the word food now? Because somebody doesn't <laughs> want to see, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think that social, I think even, I think a lot of this is kind of harmful to like social justice movements because it gives white right wing people a lot of like ammunition against yeah, us if that makes sense i agree um so i think that like there's just nuance to things and people really need to check themselves and if they this is it okay this is another thing I was. hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's called, it, was a, it was a newsletter by Hayley Norman again called Are You Nice or Are You Kind? Yeah. And I put this in a newsletter that we wrote um, a few months back. And um, she was mentioning, and this is a, this is a quote from it. She goes, clapping for essential workers is nice. Paying them a livable wage is urgent. Using the right pronouns is nice. Um, ensuring rights, safety, and protection for trans people is urgent. So it's like, are you nice or are you kind? Are you nice to say, oh, using the word cow is fatphobic, but are you yourself like going out there and fighting for fat people mm. or like um, interrogating your own family's beliefs? Like it's nice because you're showing your own morality online. Right. Saying, oh, I you don't, don't use the word cow because blah, 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 blah. But are you actually doing anything in your real life tangibly to help fat people so i feel like all of this is is very much i think as i said last week virtue signal virtue signaling mm. without actually doing anything to help people um yeah i think this feeds into like a comment we got on our reel yesterday actually about last week's podcast which the original comment was the sanitization goes beyond feminism and to extends to all aspects of human interaction and then I replied saying interesting and then this person replied who's at is gas underscore station underscore wine saying well the problem as I see it starts with contemporary moralism art is a very good example of this until the last decade it was never considered an artist's job to reflect your own morality back at you 
now there is a strong demand for it. If you're not saying the right thing in inverted commas or have the in inverted commas right intention or draw from the in inverted commas correct inspiration, then it's equated to literal violence and applying contemporary morality to works of the past completely alienates it from any context or psychology that was foundational to its understanding. Now all art must represent the current moment and the correct takes, which causes art to be stale and instantly dated. This type of moralism is also applied to relationships. Self-censorship is now encouraged in an effort not to be casted out due to your moral shortcomings. It's a deeply cynical and sinister way to approach relationships. The absence of a grey area today allows for only a very rigid interpretation of others' actions. Good comment. I completely <laughs> agree with that comment. Uh, it made me think, which is strange to say, I made me think about SNL mm-hmm. because they're completely right that so much of people, so much of what we do nowadays, people think it needs to be reflective of our times and all these things. And SNL very much is doing that now because all mm-hmm. SNL humor is just Twitter humor because mm-hmm. they really want to be on the ball of what people are talking about today and make sure they're talking about the right things and reflecting the right things to talk about of our social times. And it's making SNL flop big time. Like it's, <laughs> it really is because, and Quinta Brenton, I think that's how you say her last name. She's a person who um, created Abbott Elementary. Mm-hmm. She wrote about, the, um, they interviewed her and she mentioned this in an interview where like people are sick of having their Twitter timelines regurgitated back to them because mm. so many people in the right rooms want to make sure they're talking about the right thing, especially mm. after um, George Floyd's murder in 2020. I think we, we took some of the the wrong takes from that tragic event where we, yeah, comedy is boring um, and comedy's, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, I don't know. I think that comment is really excellent and it's very right about what's happening at the minute I think it also is a disservice to ourselves and our communities like this standard because again something I write about when poor little sick girls pre-order link in the episode description is basically how like tumblr feminism fell into this trap in the visual art sense when it started like hitting big time or whatever you know like people started booking jobs Uh So then they were trapped in this cycle of just talking about their identity because that's what they were interested in doing when they were 16. So then they got caught in this endless cycle and that we're only interested in hearing about marginalised people's experiences or art as if it caters to whichever gaze is like the opposing gaze, whether it's the male gaze, the white gaze, the cis gaze, the skinny gaze, whatever. It's all for the consumption of the more privileged person and that puts marginalized people on a back foot because they're constantly having to regurgitate their own experiences through this moralism lens which is also catering to a privileged gaze because moralism is decided by privileged people like I'm sorry that's true and it just does a disservice to us all I think and then us taking that on a micro level to the comment section and policing each other as you said it's like the nice versus kind like it doesn't actually change people's opinions it just reasserts what they already think or that they've mm. done something good or that like they've got the right opinion. Yeah. And I think that like I I have a weird thing. So I used to I used to be really into um stand up comedy like on Netflix. Did I, you? Com- I used to love the co- the sound of comedy specials and That's stuff. That's so not you. I love like James Acaster's comedy specials. I love um what's his name? There's a fella I think it's Daniel Slosh. Hmm. I like Hannah Gadsby, like they had really great comedy specials, but like Daniel Slosh and Hannah Gadsby's comedy specials particularly are quite sort of just to see focused yeah. and like they're just like very they're very smart. But like somebody who I think has a great balance of like 
having like the quote unquote right opinions and like just being funny and stupid is James Acaster. So I think imagine he just... if you just went, it's James Corden. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, no, but I think he's, I think a lot of his comedy is just stupid and funny, but he's also the kind of person to be like, it's not funny to joke about trans people. Like mm. you need to be, you need to be a much smarter person. Um, and that isn't the way to go. But I think he does it. He has, he's great at, you know, not laying his whole personality based on like this morality aspect of it all, but also just being funny and stupid. Mm-hmm. I think May Martin's also great at that, and Jared Carmichael. I have a little list because I do actually like comedians. Oh, go on. <laughs> I like, I kind of like May Martin. I like, um, what's their show called again? Feel Good or something. I love Feel Good so, so much. Yeah, I think it's a good show. I suppose I kind of prefer, I've never really been one for stand up comedy. I think this also transfers to, which is something I wanted to just like lightly touch on, which I think also might be affecting what we were talking about, about like Twitter comedy is the like, you know, like TikTok slash Instagram uh, skits that like up and coming comedians do. Um, Up and coming. (laughs) Lol, I'm literally 100 years old. (laughs) But like the young comedians do, obviously as kind of like a tool to get their work out there to the audience. But I think it's something that can work well for them. But then when we try, and obviously that type of comedy is really popular because these people are amassing like huge followings like was it Benny Drama that went to the White House yeah he did yeah but so it's like it's so weird because we have these like niche internet comedians that are huge so then the kind of like old guard of American SNL comics or whatever are trying to replicate that success but it doesn't really work Mm cross-platform absolutely SNL is just a flop let's just be honest like like, no I used to I used to think that like I wanted to be like on SNL like back in the day Ah! I had a whole phase where I wanted to be like an actress so I was like yeah I need to be on SNL and work for BuzzFeed like I had like a section of my life where I had to do that but like yeah SNL is just like I don't know it's just not great is it like I don't find it very funny I think that like I mean they're weirdly I I think they can be strange they can be really offensive and they and weirdly like have really strange liberal takes I don't know they're just not that great for my final point I think also a reason why there is so much tension when it comes to humor in online spaces is because like the poster whoever it is often treats the audience as like an extended friendship circle so like expects the nuances to be understood and to be honest a lot of these things should be understood I'm not blaming the poster but as in we have this weird like parasocial relationship where like the poster or the account feels that like their account is an extension of them Mm. But then going back to what I said, the audience thinks that they're an authority figure, not a peer. That's so true. So it creates this weird thing where it's like the the account or person who's posting thinks like, oh, it's just like sending a meme to my group chat. But then their audience see them as, no, you, for me, are like a pillar of this type of social politics. Mm-hmm. And like you can disagree with what the poster is posting. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we that's actively encouraged, but it's also like, you know, you don't you don't need to send us nasty emails being like. Dis- I wasn't actually dis- talking about <laughs> us. <laughs> well, I am. I was talking We're about people- the. I was talking more about the trend, like because you know how it's kind of just like a trend now, which um is kind of weird to me, and also I just don't have time to partake. <laughs> Lol, like I'm really busy, but 
you know, it's like selfie meme, selfie meme, selfie meme is the new photo dump. Have you seen that? I absolutely hate that way of posting. <laughs> like, I, I don't find it like, I feel like people think that's really fucking funny. It's not. Just post your <laughs> selfie and go. Like, it actually is not that deep. Yeah, that is my approach. Like, if you want attention, just admit to it. <laughs> Literally, it's not funny. It pisses me off. <laughs> I'm angrily coming on her post now. Tell them I hate them so much. (laughs) But yeah, it's funny because like, I think it just speaks to our tension between like relatability as being relatable as well, because like it is often influencers with like big followings that do this. I have noticed anyway. So it's obviously a way to be like, teehee guys, I'm just like you. Let me post Mm -hmm. my SpongeBob screenshot. But I feel like it, (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't land in that way. No. It doesn't. Anyway, this felt like a, this is not a, uh, I listened to this podcast called Bitchtopia and they, and they had a similar thing where they posted a podcast and then they like made a response to the podcast because people were really <laughs> mad about the podcast. I think this is what this is. This is not a telling off, by the way. I think this is just a, it's an interesting thing to talk about when it comes to like the way, I guess the way polyester is changing and the way our politics is changing every day, but also the way that like, people take things very seriously online now um, I think the way we interact with each other online as well like and also like just when me and you were together earlier this week Halima and we were like talking about uh our mums kind of commenting on YouTube and Facebook posts yes like on everything that they find and it's just big boomer energy absolutely like go read a book Kristen <laughs> <laughs> No, but the thing is, like, with that comment that I read out earlier, it's like all of that kind of conversation, I actually find it really helpful and useful. Yeah, Um, same. It's really good. But it's more the, like, you are actively encouraging girl hate, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, like, people asserting their morality over others, I think. Mm -hmm. Also, take it to your group chat. Like, screenshot someone's post and take it to your group chat and have a bitch. Like, no one's going to learn anything from that comment. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to learn the commenter's not gonna learn like no one's gonna learn just have a nice little bitch in the comfort of your own group chat or if if it helps as well I feel like people if you if you ever want like our the reading list that we use to talk about each podcast or oh yeah um, maybe we should start publishing yeah if people really want um because we do a lot of reading to do to do these podcasts and obviously (laughs) we don't have to do with everything that we do I say this as the person who does the reading (laughs) (laughs) um but if you want to you know it's uh, we can do that but yeah i think the biggest revelation here is that you love stand-up comedy and snl i hate snl i used to love it yeah but you used to love it yeah i I do like stand-up comedy i love a bit of a i talked about cat cohen last week as well i do love a bit you did yeah (laughs) but she's the girl of the moment she is the girl of the moment (laughs) but yeah i'm generally not a comedy person i love it i love a good giggle wiggle yeah but it's not the same I don't know it's kind of like for me I would (laughs) liken stand-up comedy to like going to a festival forced entertainment Mm. I think I should say because I think it's relevant to to this week that Louis CK won a Grammy on Sunday oh yeah fuck him Um, fuck him and fuck everybody who allowed that to happen and fuck everybody who's cancelling a bunch of Will Smith's shit because you guys let abusers consist in this world and in the world of entertainment, so fuck you, bitches. It's nuts as well, like, because I, I saw loads of casting announcements this week for Aziz Ansari's, like, first feature film or something. Mm. And I know his um Me Too, whatever, Reckoning, whatever you want to call it, was a bit, like, complicated. Do you remember it, Halima? Yeah, I do indeed. It was very confusing. But also, like, yeah, we, uh, we 
really do have very high bars for some people and very low bars for others. Exactly. This is why I never took any of those, like, is comedy dead? Like, those conversations. Because a lot of the research that I had done for this episode was very much based in those 2015 kind of conversations. Mm. Um, talking about, like, Louis C.K. or Aziz Ansari and, like, they're still working today. So Yeah, literally. And also, it's like, if you reach that point of fame and you are, like, a white man like Louis C.K. or whatever you will be protected, like, even if it's not in the public eye. Like, as in, for example, I know a director is still a quite public-facing job, but a producer or whatever, I saw on Dumois that apparently, allegedly, James Franco produced the Pam and Tommy show. Did he? Allegedly. It was on Dumois. Like, I don't know what you want to believe. (laughs) But, like, as in, like, stuff like this, like, these men can just kind of disappear into the hedge. Like, you know, that Simpson screenshot. Mm -hmm. But they're still working. They're just hiding. Yeah, they're I mean, it's the same Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, there's videos of him literally saying the N word and Chris Rock giggling his ass off to him saying yeah. the N word. Like, there's nothing happens to these people. No, um, and these are the people that we should be actually attacking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you, Halima. Thanks, Ioni. Thank you to listeners. We would love to hear your thoughts for real. <laughs> I know it sounds like we wouldn't, but we actually would. We do Please actually want to hear your thoughts. Comment. Uh, leave a review do whatever you want we'll see you next week also if you have any suggested topics we would love to hear them there's a really cute time when people were in our dms with suggested topics and i would love to see some more of that thank you to olivia for editing the podcast thank you to gina and gina and eden and charlotte and grace and hattie and carissa we'll see you next week goodbye bye Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.